Let's turn to the 28th chapter of Matthew. We think about that song, good song. It says, uh, we just sang, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. You know, we've been talking about the Great Commission, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight on Wednesday nights. We've been going through the, the various accounts of the Great Commission. You know what the Great Commission is in a nutshell? You know what it is? It's God seeking sinners. By him saying, by his saying, go and preach the gospel and teach all nations and those things. By him, by his saying that, he is using us, his body, his hands, his feet, his mouth to seek sinners. And a lot of times we get this idea that, and, and we know the Holy Spirit is active in salvation, drawing people and those kinds of things. We know that. But sometimes we think that's all it is, but it's not. God seeks sinners using us, using us, His people. That's why He told us to go. It's not just, it's not just our mission. It is our mission, but it's not only our mission. It is also the way that God has chosen to seek out people that are wandering from the fold of God. All right, Matthew chapter 28, we're going to read starting in verse number 16 down through verse 20. It says this, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord in heaven, thank you for this commission. Lord, would you please help us at Choice Hills Baptist Church to fulfill this commission, to live up to the mission that you've given to us, not just individually, but certainly individually, but also corporately. Lord, this is what you've given us to do, and Lord, what a great reminder it is to us how that you, just like you sought us out using your people, so you've commissioned us to seek out people using us. Lord, as we look at your word tonight, Lord, we need your help. Would you please, through your spirit and by your grace, teach us, instruct us, and stir us up. Not let us hear these words and be unmoved to actually, actually act out and live out what these words say. Lord, we, you know it's sometimes hard for us to share the gospel with people. Some of us are shy some of us don't know what to say. Some of us are, are timid. Lord, give us boldness. Lord, help us to be examples such that our witness would be effective. I pray that you would bless and put your grace and help upon this, uh, this passage of Scripture, especially as we study it tonight. Would you please just meet with us? In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Now, we studied the Great Commission, and, uh, and, and we started in the book of Luke. Then we went to the book of Mark because we're going in a, what best we can understand at least, in a chronological 
a, a chronological study of the various uh, instances of the Great Commission. Of course, we know that those are, those are not one uh, account, but multiple instances. In fact, four different instances that are covered in four different occasions in the, four, in the, the three of the Gospels in the book of Acts. And in Luke, we read about the Great Commission, and what Luke emphasized was the message of the Great Commission. In other words, what is the message that we're to be telling as the church of God, as the people of God? Just as a reminder, listen, if the people of God, born again believers in Christ, do not spread the gospel, nobody else is going to. There is no one in this world appointed for this task beside us beside us. No one else. It is our sole duty and no one else's. And in the Great Commission of Luke, we found that the message of the Great Commission was emphasized. So we heard about the gospel, how that it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. That's the gospel. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. And that is the application of the gospel, right? So you have what Christ did, what God did to save sinners. And then you have the what sinners need to do or, or maybe how it applies and how they get the benefit of, that, of that, uh, that provision that God has made. And then we move to Mark and we saw in Mark the, what is the proper response to the Great Commission. And in Mark, the Bible says, the, the Lord uh, told the disciples to preach the gospel to every creature and it says, and it talks about he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, the Great Commission account that we're going to read tonight also mentions baptism. And, you're, you know, we talked about that. Some people get hung up on believeth and is baptized. And we, talk about, we talked about why that, why, that the, uh, why that is not indicating that a person is saved by baptism. There's an entire structure of theology in the Bible that denies that false doctrine. But what we'll see today, tonight, also re-emphasizes that truth. And then when we get, we get to the book of Matthew, we see something totally different. Something totally different. But before I get there, I want to remind you of what we saw in verse number 17, which we also saw in Mark. Who remembers what we saw in Mark before, right immediately before the Lord spoke the Great Commission in Mark? What did he, what was brought up? What was noted in the book of Mark right before the Lord said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? Who, wants to, who, who, who remembers? Somebody be brave. It was the doubt. Remember? It was the doubt of the disciples. And in this case, look what it says. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Now this is the 11, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples. This is not... Fringe followers. <laughs> These are not Sunday morning attendees here. These are faithful. These are believers. These are, these are the 11 that, that Jesus chose. Of course, not counting Judas Iscariot because he had committed suicide already. And it says, some doubted of the 11. We know Thomas, doubting Thomas. But right after that, in verse 18, the Lord says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Again, our doubt, just because we have doubt does not indicate, indicate that we're an unbeliever. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. 
But our doubt does not disqualify us from, from doing God's will. That, uh, we should not doubt. Our doubt is not God's will. But you know what? If the Lord waited till we had everything in order before we started to serve Him, or the Lord waited till we had everything in order before we started to tell other people about Jesus, He would be waiting a very long time. Because all of us have, have problems with that and are faced with doubt from time to time and, and, uh, and other you know, spiritual, you could say, impairments of various kinds. So in verse number 18, it says this, All power, Jesus says, He begins the, the account of the Great Commission with this, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now this power is not a reference to the kind of power that you would normally like associate with the power of God when you you see the various miracles that Jesus did and in the book of Acts you read about the power of God was present to heal people and stuff like that this is not that power this is the kind of power many times in the bible the same word is is dozens of times translated authority and it's most often used not to refer to the ability to do the miraculous but it refers to the right and the prerogative to exercise dominion and rule. This is the word that is used when the Bible refers to the principalities and powers. This is the word that's used associated with civil government in Scripture. The power of the president, the power of Congress, the power of the military. This is, this is the kind of uh, the powers being spoken of here, which is, which is interesting considering what the Lord is saying. Remember that at this time, not even the Roman government was friendly to Christianity. And did you know that throughout, throughout the history of Christianity and its spread, almost without exception, every new place that the disciples of the Lord took the gospel, the civil government tried to stamp it out. It was true in Cambodia. It was true in Thailand. It's been true in China. And it's, it's been true in many, many other nations throughout the world. When the gospel first got there, the civil government tried to stamp it out. And so here the Lord says, I'm just reminding you, I have been given all power. In other words, my authority to do this commission trumps every other authority or law or rule that might forbid this work. Because, of course, the Lord knew that on practically every place on earth, at some point in time or another, uh, the gospel would be forbidden. The gospel would be forbidden. But that did not excuse the disciples from taking the gospel nevertheless. Because they had a higher commission. They had a higher authority that they were required to obey. This is, this is sometimes what we call an ethical dilemma, where you have two authorities in your life that are saying two different things. Which authority do you follow? And sometimes children that have parents that are unbelievers come, come into contact with this, this kind of dilemma, where they must decide, are they going to obey their parents, or are they going to obey God? The disciples in the book of Acts, when Peter Met, uh, went before the council and they said they forbid him from speaking the name of teaching in the name of Jesus. He said, What? If it be right in the sight of God to obey, uh, obey God more than man, judge ye. In other words, I have a higher, that's a perfect example. 
the council of the Jews forbid him from speaking in the name of Jesus, but he had a higher authority. He had a higher authority. Now, this doesn't mean we abuse it and we do stupid when we try to share the gospel. The Lord wants us to use wisdom, but not. And, but on the other hand, he doesn't want us to say we're using wisdom as a pretext to not obey him, right? And just close our mouth. Well, they won't let us do it. And, you know, we got to obey the laws of the land. Hold on. That's true, in so much as they do not contradict God's word, right? This is the authority. But note that the power is given unto whom? It's given to Jesus. See, we get, we get this idea that, well, the Lord has given us power. And in a way, He has given us power. He's given us uh, uh, power and love and a sound mind. But this power here is a power that's been given to Jesus. You know what that means? That means if we are going to move forward in doing and obeying the Great Commission, we have to have Jesus. He is the one that has the power. Right? He is the one that has the power. We don't don't do this work by ourselves. We don't do this work without His active Involvement. Jesus is in this Great Commission. Remember, when we talk about Great Commission, we're talking about telling other people about Jesus. Not only that, but we're talking about telling other people about Jesus. And you know what? If you find it difficult to do that, and if I find it difficult to do that, then we need to go to Jesus. He has the power. Right? How do you know that? Because of the next verse. Go ye What's the word? Therefore. On the basis of his assertion, on the basis of his declaration that he has authority, he says, on this basis, you go. You have my authority. I will protect you. I will bless you. I will prosper you. I will help you. We read that in Mark, right? The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Do you remember that in Mark? The Lord helped the disciples. That's what Mark told us. But we see Jesus is indispensable. We must. Choice Hills Baptist Church. When we do VBS, when we do evangelism, we pass out these cards, which I know that's not the gospel, but it's, it's heading in that direction. When we give out gospel tracts, when we try to open our mouth for the Lord, when we knock on doors, or we witness on the street in downtown Greenville, or whatever other ministry the, the Lord might have for us that's associated with the Great Commission, here's what we need to remember. We need Jesus. We need His hands in this work, doing this work. We don't have any power. And we need to ask Him for help. He says, therefore, go ye, therefore, the highest authority's mandate to perform this work. Now, look at verse number 19. Now, we're going to nerd out a little bit. Is everybody okay with nerding out? A little bit of nerd grammar, grammar nerd, grammar nerding out? We're going to nerd out because it helps us in this passage, okay? Look at verse number uh, number, number 19. <clears throat> I'm going to read the verse, and I'm going to read verse 20 together, part of verse 20. And then we're going to go back over it, and I'm going to maybe leave some things out so that we can get what is actually being said, okay? Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. All right, stop. There are two verbs in here that are imperatives, that are commands. What are those two? Come on now, give me some feedback. I know there's some grammar nerds in here. James is a grammar nerd. Your mom is telling on you, Brother James. There are two imperatives in this, in this, in this verse, 19. What are they? Go and teach. Go and teach. These are, these are the actions, the main actions of this Great Commission account. Go. We've already talked about go in Mark, right? Go ye therefore. We talked about how that it's important that we understand that the church is primarily for the body of Christ, right? Not that we don't welcome visitors. Of course we welcome visitors. That's the whole purpose of those cards we've been giving out, right? We welcome visitors. <clears throat> but this is, not, this is not a place where we do evangelism primarily. This is a place where the saints of God get edified. Because the go is when we go to where they are. Because we know there are many, many, many people that do not want to come to a church. In fact, I want to tell you something. Again, I've said this before, especially in Sunday school, but in the South, where we live, where I'm from, where many of you are from, we live in a world that is really not like the rest of the world. The South has this kind of Christian, kind of pseudo-Christian culture, and where people think that they should go to church. And so it makes it easy for us. We just tell them to come, and sometimes they come. You know, we just tell them to come. But in many places, that's not the case. Besides that, besides all of that, what about all those people in Greenville that won't come to the church? Lord says, go. We go to where they are. That's why we, that's why we go knock on people's door. Why? Well, that's you know, invading their privacy. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of invading their privacy. But you're going to where they are. You're not forcing yourself upon them, but you're going to where they are. When you pass out a gospel tract on the street, you're going to where they are. And that's, this uh, agrees and overlaps with Mark. And then you have the second word, teach. Now, this is interesting because in verse 20, you also have the word teach. 20, you have te teaching. But these words are different. You'll see why, <clears throat> see why in just a minute. <clears throat> Got a frog in my throat. It says, teach all nations. Now, this word teach is intimately connected to the word disciple in Scripture. All right, think of the word. We, uh, on Sunday, we studied about, we, we, uh, we looked at some, some Scripture about sheep and shepherd. Remember that? We talked about the sheep. We talked about the shepherd. If I were to say, if I were to say what is a shepherd, that's an, that's an easy, easy, you know, easy, easy question, right? A shepherd is someone who cares for sheep. Now, I take that word and I turn it into a verb, okay? Now I'm not talking about a shepherd. Now I'm talking about what? Shepherding. What is shepherding? It's, it's, the, it's the activity that a shepherd does. Now, shepherding is not really a verb. What they've done is they borrowed the noun and they turned it into a verb, right? That's, that's how we got that. So we're, a pastor comes and he pastors a church. He shepherds a church. But really, the word is pastor. What does a pastor do? Well, that's the same way this is. The word is, this is the verb form of disciple. That's what it is. It's the verb form of disciple. 
So some people say that what this is, what this is, this is in essence saying is, go ye, the, the first command is go, the second command is teach. Now a disciple is a personal follower or pupil of another teacher or leader. Or it's a person who follows or attends upon another in order to learn from him. And most of the time, you might be surprised to learn that in the book of Acts, the Christians are most of the time referred to as disciples. Disciples of Christ. That's so interesting. You know what that means? Even though all of those Gentile believers who had never met Jesus, never seen Jesus, they lived far away from Jesus after those missionaries, those Christians spread out and started, started sharing the gospel and preaching the gospel in various places. You have all these people that had believed in Christ, and now in the book of Acts, they're called disciples. You know what that means? That means they are following, they are learners who are following the example of Christ personally. And that's what's interesting about this word. It is a, a, a disciple is a personal follower. That's why the, the 12 disciples are called disciples because they followed the person of Jesus Christ. But even the disciples in the book of Acts and later, even you all, who are you following? Are you following Adam Wood? Are you following Jeff Stewart? Stan Craig? We're following Christ. We are His disciples. We are personal learners, pupils of Him. Learning from His teaching, mimicking His teaching, obeying His word, following His example. We, each one of us, though we have never met the Lord yet, yet we are personal disciples of Him. Acts 11.26, you know what it says? And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So that was a word that was given to them by the world. But biblically, they were called disciples. They called themselves disciples of Christ. In Acts 20, verse 30, Paul warns of false teachers who wanted to draw away disciples after themselves. That is, to get men to follow their little, their little clique and their little doctrine. So we bring that, that's the word disciple as a noun. All right. So we get down to verse 19. Look what it says. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Teach. Disciple as a verb. How do you disciple all nations? I know in our day, you know what we do? We talk about discipleship and what, what are we saying? When we say discipleship, what are we talking about? Uh, uh, we talk about somebody that gets saved, that trusts in Christ, and now they need to go through discipleship. How many of you have went through, have gone through discipleship at some point in your life, like a program of some kind? Discipleship. But really, that's not what this is talking about. The discipleship program that you might have done actually comes from verse 20, the teaching them to observe all things. But actually, in verse 19, the Lord, here's, here's, the, here's the bottom line, because I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to get lost in the weeds. Here's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to take people who are unbelievers, people in the world who do not know God and live like they do not know God, sinners. People that are just unbelieving, 
part, this says all nations. The Lord wants us to take those people and do whatever is necessary to turn them into what we are right now. To take them from an unbeliever and not bring them halfway or part of the way, but to bring, the Lord wants us to, to, to take people who do not know God, do not, have not trusted in Christ, are lost in sin, and to bring them from that point to where the 11 disciples are, a disciple. That's what it means when it says, teach all nations. Bring them from there to there. So you know what this is not saying? This is not saying we just need to get them saved. There's a lot more commitment to it than that. There's a lot, a lot more commitment to it than that. You know what this is also not saying? This is also not just talking about evangelism. This is referring to beginning, because what do, what do disciples do? Disciples, number one, believe in Christ. Just like Peter said what to, to, to Jesus? He says, uh, thou, uh, I'm, I'm, I lost it, I lost it. The great, the great confession of Peter. Somebody help me. Thank you. When Peter confessed, we believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That was his, the announcement of his faith. So disciples believe in Christ, just like the, the 12 did, or the 11 anyway. Disciples observe what the Lord teaches. That's in verse 20. The, the disciples follow the Lord's example. Like the Lord said when he washed the disciples' feet, he says, do as I have done unto you. That's what disciples do. So what the Lord wants us to do is he wants us to bring a person who does not know God, bring them to where they believe in Christ, and then they begin to follow Christ and observe his, his, his word and obey his commandments. And then he, they, they begin to uh, follow his example. In other words, the whole process. So this is really not referring to just evangelism. This is far more than evangelism. And you know what? If we are not following through, think about VBS. Think about, Brother Ari, think about Patrick, right? Think about yourself. When you got saved, did, 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 did the person that led you to the Lord or, 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 or shared the gospel with you just leave you there and walk away? No, there were people. There were God. There was a group of God's people that somehow, some way, it might have been using a program. It might not have been. It might have been, you know, in, a, in, a, in an unusual way. But somehow, some way, God's people came around you and taught you and brought you along to where you started to grow. And you became not just a believer, but a disciple. This is referring to the whole process. So when we think about VBS, we think about our evangelism, we think about visitors that come to church. Sometimes, like Patrick, they might actually get saved here, here with us. What are we, what are you as an individual doing? to follow that up and see it through. That's, that's the end point, you see. 
That's, that's what the Lord wants us to remember, the end point. When these kids come to VBS, we must not, under any circumstances, let them come, take their name, and then forget about them. We must do our diligence to follow up. And that's not just me. That's you guys too. Calling their number, going to their house, talking to their parents, following it up. You know what? That's hard work. You know, it requires commitment. You know, you know, do you know why it requires commitment? When you take someone who, is, who does not know God, someone who has lived in the world, who maybe has went to church, but they're just, they're, they're just lost. They're a, they're a wicked sinner, like we all were at one time. And they get saved. There's a lot of baggage. There's a lot of hurdles. There's a lot of hang-ups. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of, uh, of issues that those people have that we have and have had. And so if, we're, if we take that person and we share the gospel with them and they get saved, the commitment that is required to follow it through to where they are also a disciple, like that's what verse 19 is saying. Take them from A to Z, Z being a disciple. It takes a lot of commitment and time and sometimes disappointment. It does not happen overnight. It is a slow process. It involves time. But you know what? This is the mission of the church. In Mark, we read about how we're supposed to preach the gospel. But that's why there's four accounts. Because you get a complete picture. As long as this work continues and persists, as long as there are disciples that are imperfectly following the Lord, we need serious commitment. The Lord requires us in verse 19 to bring people from unbelief and sin to a state of Christian maturity. Wow. all the way up to the point that they themselves can make disciples of others. How do I know that? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Well, one of those all things that the Lord has commanded us is in verse 19. So a man becomes a, a man or one becomes a, they, they believe in Christ and they become a disciple and people invest in them and spend time with them and all those things and they become a disciple and they grow. You know what they end up doing? They end up doing verse 19 themselves. And so the process continues. That's what the Lord is describing. That's what the Lord is describing. But how do we do that? I said verse 19, there are two imperatives. Go and teach. All right? How? In verse 19, the word baptizing with an ing and teaching with an ing, those are called verbals. Those are verbs that have been transferred into an adverb. So now what those are doing is those verbs are telling us how to teach, how to make disciples. Number one, they believe, then you baptize, baptize him. This is another reason why you understand, why we can see that a person is to only be baptized after they have trusted in Christ. Because notice, they, they become disciples and then you baptize them. You're, that's part of the process after they believe to help them become a, a disciple. 
Baptism is after salvation. Never before, never, not once in the Bible. It's only for believers. But then, so baptism is a part of the way we make disciples and then teaching them to observe all things, whatever Jesus has commanded us. That is also, that teaching process, what we call discipleship. But that's not only that. Not only that even our church services are part of that. We're teaching them to follow Christ just like we were taught to follow Christ so that they can then, in turn, teach others to follow Christ. Now, I, I need to make... This is... This, what, what verse 19... I feel, like people, I feel like people water down what evangelism is in verse, by using only Matthew. Right? Mark says, Preach the gospel of every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That sounds like pure evangelism, Right? But what this is, is giving us the whole picture. So you have the evangelism part. Then you have the baptism part. Then you have the teaching part, all of which is part of the discipleship process. But sometimes we say, well, we need to go out and, and, uh, and teach people to follow Jesus. That's not, that's, that's not exactly right. We need to preach the gospel to sinners who need a savior. We need to tell them, that without Christ, they are going to be condemned, that they are going to hellfire, and that they will stand one day before God and God will judge them. But there is, there is a Savior who has been provided to save their soul, who has borne their penalty and who has taken their sin upon Him, Jesus, who died in, as their substitute. Faith is the faith in Christ who is the door is the way you begin that. We're not teaching people who don't know God to start to follow Jesus. That's a useless idea. That's a, an exercise in futility. But this has given us the whole picture. Believe in Christ. Be baptized. Begin to follow Him. Notice what the Lord says. I am with you always. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. See, notice that end of the world. You know what that tells us? That tells us that this commission is in effect all the way until Jesus comes back. It's in effect to us. Long after the, the remember verse 16, the 11 disciples, long after their lifetimes have expired. It's still in effect. You know why? Follow the process. These disciples preach the gospel. People believe. They, began, they themselves become disciples. The original disciples die off, but these continue. You know what they do? They preach the gospel. They lead others to Christ. And then they teach them to also be a disciple. And then their disciples in that second generation dies off. And that happens over and over and over and over and over, all the way up until when? Today. You, think about it, you and I are products of that of this commission. And what the Lord says to us, just as well as to them, He said, I am with you always. Now, this is not a feel-good statement. This is not just to make us feel good that, oh, well, Jesus is with me. No, 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 no. This is literal. <laughs> this is literal. The Lord just doesn't say stuff to make us feel good. He tells us truth that in which we can sink our teeth, the teeth of our faith. And He says, 
I am with you always. In John 14, the Lord described how that he was going to go away, but then he said, I'll be with you. You know what he's referring to? Somebody want to take a stab at that. He's referring to the Spirit of God. Jesus. Jesus present with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And we know, we already studied that. Every believer, every true child of God is sealed. Remember that? Remember that seal of that scroll we talked about? That's the mark of, a, of the genuine article. And so we have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus with us for this work. And that's the key. Why is the Lord with us? Read the context. It is for this work. It is for, it's not just to make us feel good. It is so that we have the power and ability to accomplish this mission. So that we can tell other people about Jesus, follow it up, so that they also then later become disciples themselves. Verse 19 is a closing note. You have the Trinity. One of the few passing references to the Trinity. Every time we baptize someone in the baptistry, which I haven't done that yet. I've, I've been baptized in that baptistry, but not done the baptizing. I baptized up to this point only in a swimming pool. But every time we do that, we remind, we're reminded of the Trinity. We're reminded of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost out of this formula right here. So this is our work. This is our work, not only to preach the gospel, but not preach the gospel and just leave them. Preach the gospel. Convince uh, 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 people to, to believe in Christ and, and to share the gospel with them and show them how to be saved. But once they're saved, also this process of bringing them from that to a disciple. And so that this work can continue into the future. Let's pray.